0: Art of Playing by Gillette Burgess. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Time was when we made our own toys. When a piece of twine, a spool, a few nails, and a bit of imagination could keep us busy and happy all day long. There were no newfangled iron toys made in Germany, so tiresome in their inevitable little routine of performance, so easily got out of order, and so hard, metallic, and realistic as to be hardly worth the purchase. A penny would, indeed, buy some funny carved wooden thing that aroused a half-hour's excitement, but it was never quite so alluring as when in the front window of the toy shop. Such queer animals never became thoroughly acclimated to the nursery, and they lost their luster in a half-holiday the things that gave permanent satisfaction were homemade crude and capable of transformation a railway train might with a small effort of the fancy become a ship or a dragon are there such amateur toy builders now in this age when everything is perfect and literal when even a box of building blocks contains a book of plans to supply imaginative design to the modern child indeed many children are now a years too lazy even to do their own playing I have heard of one who is used to sit in a chair and order his nurse to align his ninepins and bowl them down for him. Perhaps one notices the lack of creative ability in children more in the city, where ready-made toys are cheap and accessible, than in the country, where the whole world is full of wonderful possibilities for entrancing pastime. Nature is the universal playmate, perpetually parodying herself in miniature for the benefit of those who love to amuse themselves with her toys every brook is a little river every pond an unfathomable sea she plants tiny forests of fern and raises microscopic mountains in every sandbank flowers and plants furnish provender for lilliputian groceries the oak showers acorn cups what wonder we believe as long as we can in fairies and yet strange to say it is the city more often than the country child who feels the charm of these marvels. The freshness and the strangeness breed a fascinated wonder. It is, after the flagged pavements and brick walls, almost too good to be true. The juvenile rustic is more familiar with nature. It is his business to know when the flowers come, where berries ripen and birds nest. It is scarcely play to him. It is a science to be applied to his personal profit. The woods and rivulets are his familiar domain, to be forayed and hunted specifically for gain and this though it is delightful is not play for him there is no glamour over the fields until long after when his native countryside has become inaccessible perhaps the art of playing is after all a matter more of temperament than environment for one sees at times good sport even in the city streets though it is rare nowadays i had my own full share of it for my youth was an age of pure romance my clan had its own code and its own traditions every man of us had his suit of wooden armor his well-wrought weapons and his fiery steed we were all for scott we had our order small but well up in the technique of feudal ways facile in sword-play both with the thin sinewy hard pine rapier and the huge two-handed double-hiked battle-sword that should stand just as high as one's head on the brick sidewalks we tilted on velocipedes full in view of the anxious passers-by cap a pied in pine sheathed with tin with a shield blazoned with a tiger couchant and inscribed with a latin motto out of the back of the dictionary many a long red lance i shivered and many a wheel i broke on warren avenue i did it opposite the church what would i not give now to see such sights in town instead i watched little boys smoking cigarettes upon the street corners waiting for their girls i knew a youngster too who organized in his town a post office department established letter-boxes and a regular service of boy carriers he drilled and colored the stamps himself you will find them in few collections though they should have enormous value from their rarity such games are consummate play even though the sport goes awry all too soon it is too great to last it is the older brother who should give finesse to such sport without him complications arise which accomplish at last the ruin of the game many of us do not truly learn to play until it is too late to do so with dignity and to these the appreciation of the young gives a fine excuse for prolonging the diversion we fancy we cannot when grown up play imaginative games for the pure joy of it as does the child we think we must have an ulterior motive yet the father who whittles out a boat for his son often gets more delight than the child who would far rather do it himself no matter how much more crudely accomplished the theatre is the typical play for grown-ups the name itself play is significant of the unquenchable tendency of youth and this reminds me of a most amusing case where two grown-ups dared to be absolutely ingenuous it was upon a honeymoon when if ever adults have the right to yield to juvenile impulses As the groom was titled and the bride fair, society took it ill that the two should retire to their country house and deny access to all neighbors, one at last called, too important to be denied admittance by the servants, and the astonished visitor discovered the happy pair stretched over the dining-room table, training flies whose wings had been clipped to pull in a harness of threads little paper wagons. This had been their absorbing occupation for ten blissful days." An important element of play seems to be the doing of things in miniature. See Stevenson, for instance, prone upon the floor, involved in romantic campaigns, massing his troops of tin soldiers, occupying strategic positions in hall and passage, skirmishing over the upstairs roads of the third class, impassable for artillery, intercepting commissary trains laboring up from the base of operations in the kitchen deploying cavalry screens upon the rug and outmaneuvering the wily foe that defends the veranda both being bound by the strict treaties of the play there is your ideal big brother and the game of toy soldiers is glorified into weeks of excitement the japanese immortal children carry the game of diminution to its extreme the dwarf trees and the excruciating carved ivories are not the only symptoms of this delightful disease for the perfection of the spirit of play one must see their miniature gardens often the life employment of the owners no matter how small the patch of ground employed every inch is perfect pebble by pebble almost grain by grain the area is arranged the tiny rivulet is guided between carefully curved banks wee bridges span the shores little lanterns and pagodas are artfully placed plants and flowers are sown trees planted Fishes are domiciled till the garden is a replica of nature at her best. Each view is a toy landscape, and without a scale, as seen in a photograph, for instance, one might think it a garden of the gods. And yet, there is a sort of play where one may use infinite distances, macrocosms for microcosms, if one has the courage and the power of visualization. These games are purely mental, feats of the imagination, though not nearly so difficult as might be thought. I know a sober, work-a-day lawyer, for instance, who combines the two methods with extraordinary cleverness. His income is not derived solely from his practice, I need hardly say. You will not catch him at his fascinating diversion, for his table is strewn with books and papers, and his playthings are not noticeable amongst the professional litter. I have known him to sit for hours gazing at the table, and once in his confidence, for there is a fraternity of players, and one must give the grip and prove fellowship, he will tell you that he is shrunk to but an inch in height, so that, to him, his desk seems to be some three hundred feet long by a hundred feet wide, and its plateau is elevated some two hundred feet above the floor, as high, that is, as a church. Assuming that he has, by some miraculous means, shrunk to one-fiftieth of his stature, the size of everything visible is, of course, increased in a like proportion." His diverting occupation under this queer state of things is to explore his little domain and exist as well as is possible. What adventures has he not had? There was the terrific combat with a cockroach as big as a dragon, which he finally slew with a broken needle. There was the dust storm when the caretaker swept, and the huge snow crystals like white pie plates that came in when the window was opened. He had an enormous difficulty in getting water from a glass tumbler, and he broke his teeth upon the crystals of sugar, that as a lawyer he had been thoughtful enough to strew upon the table for the benefit of himself as an inchling. I believe he is now attempting to escape to the floor by means of a spool of thread, if he cannot make up his mind to risk a descent by means of a paper parachute. It is a world of his own, as real to him as the child's toy paradise, a retreat immune from the cares of his daily life, a never-tiring playground with perpetual discoveries possible." He, if any one, has discovered not only the art of playing, but has applied the science as well. End of The Art of Playing by Gillette Burgess Read by Colleen McMahon